Welcome to the IVF Before and After podcast, where we will talk about the emotional roller coaster journey we are about to embark on. Tune in to a series of podcasts on stories and tips to help you feel you are not alone on your fertility or parenting journey. We will openly discuss success and failure. We will attempt to pick you up when you are down and celebrate when your head's in the clouds. Kay Dempsey is your host. We can't wait to get started finding your way through IVF and parenting journey. Hello and welcome to the IVF before and after. Today we're going to look at the IVF add-on treatments that's been in the news lately. People are hoping to be parents in the United Kingdom and they feel that they are being sold false hope by foreign IVF clinics because they're claiming that success rates as high as 98% based on highly selective data. The National Fertility Regulatory has warned that these clinics are exhibiting at the United Kingdom events for couples considering fertility treatments and making claims that no UK IVF provider would be allowed to make this. This is according to the HFEA. The regulator has said that it was powerless to regulate any overseas clinic while fertility experts and some clinics are capitalising on the hopes of vulnerable people and it could be dangerous if they led with these inflated claims of success through IVF. On average, each round of embryo implantation has just a 32% chance. But one foreign clinic is part of the International Fertility Group says on its website that they can actually do 98% pregnancy rates thanks to the cutting-edge tests available. Others are saying that cumulative success rates after one or more embryo transfers of more than 84%. This comes at a time where the cash is actually now being squeezed on the NHS groups and have been cutting back on the number of cycles of IVF they will be offering to women. Just 12% of NHS clinics commissioning groups offer the recommended number of cycles. For example, some offer none, and this is pushing more women to go overseas where treatment is half the price. I remember speaking to one person who'd went through their fertility treatment. She was 44 and she started treatment by, she started freezing her eggs first when she turned 40, but she was unsuccessful. She later tried IVF with a donor embryo at a clinic abroad on the recommendation of a UK doctor. She was told to try with a donor embryo. She was given a 40 to 50% chance. Whereas the data you would get from HEFA suggests that in the UK, the average birth rate using a donor embryo are around 25%. Why is the big difference in percentages? So the average IVF pregnancy rates for women over 40 using their own eggs in the United Kingdom, according to HEFA, are just 14%. When I look back now, I actually feel quite naive at it, as I was given lots of information, but none made it abundantly clear how the chances were. You actually are in the clinic's hands, really. You so want everything to work out for you. 
that you kind of hear what you want to hear and believe what they tell you. So do we need to be given really stark information that this is the reality of getting pregnant? If someone had sat me down at the beginning and said that the stark reality of it all, these are the facts and the figures that you're left at, you've left it too late before the amount of the emotional stress and the amount of money I've spent, I may have made different choices. So do clinics need to be more transparent? But equally, they need to be more supportive when IVF does not work. Success rates were a factor for some, but assessing the treatment quickly was the reason they had gone and they were successful when they went abroad. I did read into success rates and yes, these were a factor, but more important to us was how the clinic worked over success stories and other people's experience. People who are sadly needing fertility treatment do become their own experts and will read around before jumping into treatment. But equally, you're desperate for success and will consider trying many things. I think if we look at the success rates from the United Kingdom and from abroad, I think half of our, half of us believe that the success rates were higher when they're abroad. Because the United Kingdom clinics are inspected by HEFA and it's against its code of practice which specifically says that you should not highlight a success rate that applies only to a small selected group of patients. Now that's actually on their website. But they can't enforce this against visiting centres from overseas. I remember being at a fertility show a couple of weeks ago and clinics were advertising a selective 98% success rate. As you went round and you spoke to the individual clinics, they all said it's selective data. I think this can go to show that it is dangerous and it is misleading to us in the public and particularly to us who are the vulnerable group. I think HEFA is actually getting appalled by some of the claims that there's absolutely no way that a clinic can have a success rate of 90% and not even 60 to 70%. In the United Kingdom, the success rates of top clinics vary by just a few percentage points. Also have to look at, you know, the NHS has this funding postcode lottery. That would give us, the desperate vulnerable people, the less need for us to look elsewhere and be seduced by the promises and the false hopes in going overseas. But also, the United Kingdom clinics are not immune from using people's desires to start a family to get them to part with their thousands of pounds. I see many, many women and men coming in to clinics and they have a bag of full add-ons, which is different therapies, and they've spent thousands and thousands of pounds on non-evidence based treatments. I think they bully them own selves into thinking that these many clinics 
say, well, if you don't do what we say, we can't guarantee the results. So we end up going on this expensive journey. So should we have all these add-ons and all these hidden extras? I think all clinics around the UK and abroad are all very similar. So what is it when I'm talking about add-ons? Your clinic may offer you an additional treatment on top of your main treatments, such as IVF or ICSI. Add-ons are the optional extras that you may be offered on top of your normal fertility treatment, often at an additional cost. They're usually sold to in a way that they're promising results and in the initial studies and that they've been around for many years. But I don't think they've actually ever been proven to improve pregnancy or birth rates. If you've had an add-on treatment, could you link in below the podcast or over on the website and let's hear what your add-on was and was it a success for you? So HEFA now have made it a bit easier for us who are the vulnerable to identify which add-ons have been shown to be effective when developing a traffic light rating system. And they say that the only way to be confident that a treatment is effective enough to be used routinely is to carry out randomised controlled trial where the patients are assigned randomly to two groups, a treatment group given the new treatment and a control group given either a well-tried treatment or a placebo. The number of patients included in this is very important with patients giving more accurate results. So they're giving a green symbol where there is more than one good quality which shows that the procedure is effective and safe. They're using the amber symbol where there is a small or conflicting body of evidence which means further research is still required and the technique cannot be recommended for routine use. A treatment is read if there is no evidence to show that it is effective and safe. Currently, none of the treatment add-ons that, we have that they have assessed have been rated green. This means that they don't think any of the techniques should be used routinely. So, red. So, they're, what they're saying there, there is no evidence that the add-on is effective and safe. So, red is the assisted hatching. What is assisted hatching? The egg and embryo, or the early embryo, are surrounded by a thick layer of special proteins called zonia pellucida. So the before an embryo can implement, implant into the womb, it has to break out or hatch from zona. So I remember I went through that and it was described to me as the laser that they were going to make a thin hole in the zona which helps the embryo to hatch and it implants better. Are there any risks with this? There is always a, some risk of damaging the embryo with these types of the procedures. 
according to NICE, which is the National Institute for Clinical Excellence, it's the national body advising the doctors of the treatment, it says that assisted hatching is not recommended because it has not shown to improve pregnancy rates. Now, when I read this, I was shocked because I thought this treatment was something that was going on all the time and it was proven. The next traffic light is the amber. Again, there is a conflicting body of evidence for the add-on. And this is artificial egg activation. And what is egg activation? This is where the sperm meets an egg and it triggers a process called egg activation, which starts off the process of the embryo development, while at the same time allowing one sperm to fertilise the egg. So if the egg doesn't then activate, then it won't develop. Egg activation may be stimulated by chemicals called calcium ion offerings, and these chemicals could be added to the embryo in the lab. Again, what are the risks? So in theory, the egg activation using the calcium could cause the embryo to have abnormal numbers of chromosomes, which could cause the pregnancy to miscarry. Again, there's still not enough evidence to decide whether these risks are a serious concern. I think that's quite strong, especially when you think of when you're over 40. You could have abnormal number of chromosomes anyway, and then this is, could be an addition. So what has the evidence been so far for egg activation? According to the studies that has been done, it says that it may improve fertilisation rates in ICSI where the egg and sperm have failed to activate in previous treatment cycles. However, there are no shows that his evidence has been effective in follow-up studies on, on the safety of this technique. Under the amber again, there's called the electrofreeze of all cycles. What is an electrofreeze? So in a normal IVF cycle, one to two fresh embryos are transferred a few days after the egg collection and the remaining suitable embryos are frozen. The electrofreeze of all the cycles involve creating embryos using either IVF or ICSI and then freezing all of them so that no embryos are transferred in the fresh cycle. The embryos are thawed a few months later and transferred to the woman's womb as part of a frozen embryo transfer, which is FET cycle. There is some evidence that the body's hormonal response to fertility drugs can affect the lining of the womb, which makes it more difficult for the embryos to implant. So freezing the embryos means that they can be transferred back into the woman when the womb lining is well developed. It's also thought by having all the embryos frozen, women are at a lower risk of suffering from ovarian hyperstimulation system, which is OHSS, which is an overreaction to the fertility drugs. This is because the OHSS is more common and more severe 
when it occurs during a pregnancy. They also say that there is there is also evidence that while the birth weight of babies born from normal fresh IVF cycles is lower from FET cycles, it's higher, closer to naturally conceived babies. Since the birth weight is associated with the risk of disease in later life, so they say freeze-all cycles may be safer for the baby. So are there any risks of the elective freeze at all? It's generally thought to be safe for the embryo, although there's always a risk that one or the more embryos may not survive. So what evidence for, for freezing all of them? So the research into freezing them is processing very quickly. And some of the research suggests that pregnancy rates are increased by using the, the frozen embryo transfer rather than the fresh transfer. And that the risks to the mother and the baby are lower. This includes the risk of the OHSS and a low birth rate. Birth weight, sorry. However, at the moment, doctors don't know enough and are not confident enough whether the freezing all cycles are safe and more effective than the conventional IVF or ICSI. I believe there's actually a currently a large clinical trial going on at the moment of the freezing all cycles called E-freeze. I will look into this and find out more information for another podcast. Again, under the amber is what they call embryo glue. So what is embryo glue? Embryo glue contains a substance called hyaluronin which may improve the chance of the embryo implanting into the womb. It's added to the solution in the dish in which the embryos are kept before being transferred to the woman. Are there any risks? There are no known risks about using the embryo glue. So what's the evidence of the embryo glue? Research and review shows that embryo glue containing increases the pregnancy and the live birth rates for around 10%. There is one high-quality study that has been done and its reviews which shows that the embryo of the use of embryo glue improves the pregnancy and the live birth rates, but other studies in the review were of moderate quality. So what they're saying is further high-quality studies are needed before doctors can be confident of the use of embryo glue. Also under the amber light is the endometrial scratch. I considered this. So what is the endometrial scratch? In order to have a successful pregnancy, an embryo needs to implant in the womb. If it doesn't, the woman will need to start a cycle again. Most embryos don't implant because they have been unable to develop fully to the implantation stage or because of a development mismatch between the stage of the embryo and the lining of the womb. However, in a small number of cases, an embryo won't implant because the lining of the womb isn't providing them with the right environment. Endometrial scratch is carried out before IVF. During the procedure, the lining of the womb, 
is scratched using a small sterile plastic tube. The theory behind it is that the procedure triggers the body to repair the site of the scratch, which then releases chemicals and hormones that makes the lining more receptive to the embryo implanting. Some also suggest that the treatment may activate the genes that make the the womb lining more receptive to an embryo implanting. Are there any risks? There is a small risk that if you have an infection within the cervix before scratching, this may cause the, the infection to spread into the uterus and your clinic would obviously have to treat this if necessary. So what's the evidence so far? For the endometrial scratch. So obviously it's currently it's under amber rating and it's based on a small number of moderate quality studies. There are currently three large clinical trials that are looking into the endometrial scratch and the early findings suggest that the benefits of using this procedure may, less, may be less certain than initially thought. So they're going to have to update their information with the data from these trials when it becomes available. Also under the red is the intrauterine culture. What is this? So they're saying that during a conventional IVF cycle, eggs are fertilised and allowed to develop in a special cultured fluid inside an incubator. It differs that in and that allows the early stages of embryo development to take place within the patient's womb. As with conventional IVF, eggs and sperm are collected and prepared. The eggs are fertilised and placed in, in the device, which is inserted into the woman's womb. This device stays in place for several hours during the initial stages of the embryo development. When the device is removed, the embryos are put into an incubator, which then are ready to be transferred back to the womb or frozen for use for future. Are there any risks? There's currently very little evidence exploring the potential risk in using this device. It's worth noting that the womb is not the right place in the body for the embryo to develop at this stage. Normally, it would be developing in the fallopian tube, which connects to the ovary to the womb. So what's the evidence? There's currently no evidence to show that this improves birth rates and is safe. This is something you may wish to consider if you're offered at an additional cost. Back to the amber. For the five-day screening, there is conflicting evidence of this for add-on research. And for the red, for the three-day screening, there's no evidence that the add-on is effective. So pre-implantation Genetic screening, PGS. Amber for day 5 embryos and red for day 3 embryos. So what is PGS? It involves checking the embryos for any abnormalities in the number of chromosomes. Embryos with an abnormal number of chromosomes have less chance of developing into a baby or less commonly may result in a baby being born with a genetic condition. So PGS identifies embryos that are unsuitable for fertility treatment. To do this, the embryologist removes a cell, or if at a later stage, several cells from the embryo, which is then tested for any chromosomal abnormalities. 
the embryo can still develop with the fewer cells as long as the removal of those cells is done carefully. Are there any risks? Although the current PGS techniques are mostly very accurate, the test may give the wrong results. It may miss an abnormality or detect one that isn't there. Using PGS may mean you have fewer embryos to use in treatment or for freezing to use in treatment at a later date. If any healthy embryos are discarded in this process, you may have fewer chances to transfer an embryo which could develop into a healthy baby. Also, removing a cell from an embryo may damage it and prevent it from successfully developing once it's been transferred into the womb. Also, removing part of the embryo may cause later changes in its growth in the womb which could cause problems in later life. In some cases, they say that cells within the same embryo are not chromosomally identical, which means that the PGS may show that the embryo has chromosomal abnormalities, which in fact is capable of producing a normal pregnancy or vice versa. So what is the evidence for PGS? In the past, it was traditionally offered to women over 37, couples who had several miscarriages or failed IVF cycles, people with a family history of chromosomal problems, and men whose sperm may carry abnormal chromosomes. The cells were removed from the embryo at the 8-cell stage on day 8. So there is no evidence to show that this type of PGS is beneficial for these groups. In fact, studies have shown that the type of PGS can actually reduce the success rates, probably because of the damage to the embryo. Some small studies have shown that the PGS carried out at a later stage, the the blastocyst embryo on day 5 or day 6 might be helpful in selecting a viable embryo to transfer a younger patients who are typically under 37 with no history of miscarriage or failed IVF. It is important to understand that PGS will not increase your overall chances of having a baby. It may help to reduce the likelihood of having a miscarriage, but more evidence is needed to confirm these findings when considering whether to have the PGS You should also think about the cost as it's actually very expensive. Under the red amber, they also have the reproductive immunology test and treatment. What is this? It's a field of study that looks at how a woman's immune system reacts when she becomes pregnant. Usually your immune system works by fighting off any invading cells that it doesn't recognise because they don't share your genetic code. In the case of an embryo, the immune system learns to tolerate it even though it has a different genetic code from the mother. Some scientists believe that in some cases of miscarriage or infertility, the mother's immune system may fail to accept the embryo due to the differences that their genetic codes have. So are there any risks? There are various different treatments associated with the reproductive immunology, which are used to suppress the body's natural immunity and all which have risks. 
So you've got steroids. This can risk giving you high blood pressure, diabetes and premature birth. The intravenous immunology globulin. But the side effects can include headache, muscle pain, fever, chills, low back pain and rarely thrombosis, failure and anaphylactic shock. TNF, a blocking agent. Rubicade is not recommended for use during pregnancy. The side effects can include infections including septicemia, chronic infections such as tuberculosis and severe allergy reactions to the drugs. Interlipid interfusions. The side effects include headaches, dizziness, flushing, nausea and the possibility of clotting or infection. So what is the evidence? There is no evidence that a woman's immune system will fail to accept an embryo due to differences in the genetic codes. In fact, scientists now know that during pregnancy, the mother's immune system works with the embryo to support its development. So not only will reproductive immunology treatments not improve your chance of getting pregnant, there are risks attached to these treatments, some of which are very seriously and high. Is it worth it? And also under the amber, they have the time-lapsing image. So what is time-lapsing? In IVF, time-lapsing image is used to help select the embryo most likely to successfully develop into a baby. In conventional IVF, the embryologist will check the developing embryos each day under a microscope, which involves removing them from the incubator for a brief period. Time-lapse imaging allows the embryologist to take thousands of images of the embryo as they grow without disturbing them. Not only does this mean the embryo do not have to be removed from the incubator, but also shows the embryologist to get a continuous view of each embryo as it develops, rather than just viewing them once a day. The embryologist can then choose a specific embryo for implementation based on the criteria, such as the rate of development and the number and appearance of the cells. Now, I had this and it wasn't an add-on. It was part of my package. Are there any risks? No, there are no risks to a woman or her embryos from the time-lapse imaging. So what's the evidence? There have been various studies to try and see if the time-lapse imaging can improve the birth rates. Initial research had shown some promise, but it's still very early days. Indeed, being undisturbed while they grow may improve the quality of the embryos, but there's a certainly not enough evidence to show that time-lapse imaging proves the birth rate, which is something you may want to consider if you've been offered it at an extra cost. Under the red, we have IMSI, intracytoplasmic morphologic sperm injection. The sperm selection method used in this is for ICSI. The treatment involves using a microscope to view the sperm under a very high magnification over time 6000, which allows the clinic's view to more detailed images of the sperm. Are there any, any risks to MISI? Is a non-invasive test performed on a sperm sample at an additional step in the ICSI process. 
The risks associated with the use of ICSI also apply to IMSI. There is no significant additional risk to the patient or the embryo. So what's the evidence for IMSI? There have been several investigations within the last decade and systematic reviews suggest that IMSI could be beneficial in specific situations such as previously failed ICSI. The research that has been carried out does not support the use of IMSI over the standard ICSI for infertile men. One small study found that IMSI had improved the pregnancy outcomes in older women. However, this study was carried out with a small number of women and the link, if if anything, between IMSI and older women eggs was not fully understood. Under the, the, the red amber, we also have PIXI, Psychological Intracytoplasmic Sperm Injection. It's a technique used to select the perm to use in the ICSI treatment. It involves placing the sperm with hydrochloric acid, which is a natural compound found in the body, and the PIXI identifies the sperm that can bind to the HA, and these sperms are selected for use in the treatment. Again, are there any risks? PIXI is a non-invasive procedure performed on a semen sample as an additional step in the ICSI process. Risks associated with the use of ICSI also apply to the PIXI. There is no significant additional risk to the patient or the embryo. So what is the evidence for PIXI? There have been a number of studies comparing the PIXI with the standard ICSI. However, there is very little evidence to suggest any benefit of of it using it. A large randomised study was recently carried out which showed that using PIXI did not increase the chances of having a baby. So that's mostly all the information that I have investigated on the traffic light system, the green, red and amber. I hope this information has been of help to you and that you can look through yourself and onto the website if you want all the written format or re-listen again to the podcast. And I hope it helps you with your choices. As you can see, as we went through, I did say a few times that I tried this, I went for that. And it doesn't mean what my time, but when I I did them and it was unsuccessful and the other times I tried something else and it was successful, it doesn't mean that that's the, the thing that you should go through. Think carefully before you spend your money on this additional treatment, which are called add-ons. Investigate them further because the statistics now are quite shocking that Heifer are saying that these add-ons are not required and if they are there, they should be part of a package already. I wish you luck with your IVF treatment and I hope that one day your dreams do come true. All the best for the future. Be this year. Be your year. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to IVF Before and After on iTunes or Stitcher and leave a review. 
head over to the Facebook community page, IVF Before and After, or to the website www.ivfbeforeandafter.com for fantastic free stuff.